All right, Ed, your best day. What is it? Twins in a trapeze? What? No, I don't want to play. Come on, we did it. I don't feel like it. Okay. I'm 14, and my mother and father are fighting again. You know, because she caught him again. Caught him. This time, the girl drove by the house to pick him up. And I finally realized he wasn't just cheating on my mother. He was cheating on us. So I told him. I said, you're bad to us. We don't love you. I'll take care of my mother and my sister. We don't need you anymore. And he made like he was going to hit me, but I didn't budge. Then he turned around and he left. Never bothered us again. But I took care of my mother and my sister from that day on. That's my best day. What was your worst day? Same day. what your feelings were when you watched Ed struggle with Mitch's question. Three guys who have been best friends since they were little uh, on an adventure out west, and as they're following along behind the herd, they uh, enter into this conversation. What was your best day ever? Uh, what was your worst day ever? Uh, Ed's answer uh, elicits more of an emotional response uh, than the other two. Uh, because he's struggling mightily to consider his own emotions. What did you feel when you heard Ed's answers? I felt some sadness uh, for him to have to deal with those kinds of family difficulties at that age. Just profoundly sad. There's also a sense of, of pride in him um, because he was able to stand up to something that was really wrong uh, and uh, take his, his stand and, and, and fight for what was right. There was also hope that he was now the one who was taking care of his, his mom and his sister, so I had great hope for them uh, as well. You probably know by now if you've been uh, paying attention that the theme this morning and for the next several weeks is going to be looking at uh, our emotions. And there are lots of emotions these days. Uh, as we have uh, followed the stay-at-home orders and had to put on masks and social distance, uh, try to do work uh, in a very different way, some of us not able uh, to work at all. Uh, and there are a wide range of emotions. I think the, there, there's one extreme where you just say, I'm not going to deal with my emotions. I just, I'm not going to go there. And the other extreme uh, is to simply live by my emotions. Whatever's there is going to come out. Now, the good news in all of this is that God has created us to have emotions. They're, they're part of who we are. We're going to see that in, in just a moment or two. Uh, the question we want to ask is, is there a way to, to have spiritually healthy approach to our emotions? So this morning and for the next several weeks, we're going to use the Psalms 
uh, as a guide as we touch on this topic. This morning, let me invite you to turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 30. Uh, We're going to be reading that psalm, and then eventually I have three observations this morning. The third one will actually get to the psalm uh, itself, but this is going to set the groundwork. It's going to frame our conversation for the next few weeks. Let me also remind you before I read this passage that uh, at the end of the service, we stick around. If you have questions or comments, you can go ahead and start sending those in at any point, and uh, uh, Javi and our crew will coordinate those, and, and we'll talk for a bit after the service. Psalm chapter 30, hear the word of God. And by the way, Javi, I don't have anything on the confidence monitor yet. Uh, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved by your favor. O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to you, The Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone be glory. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come before you this morning asking that you would teach us that your spirit and your word would be alive in our hearts and minds. Fathers, we live in a time of uh, emotional challenge, perhaps more so than at other moments. Father, we pray that you would give us the courage to be uh, self-curious, to, to, to examine our own hearts, to see what is there, uh, and to be blessed and to be a blessing to others through our emotions, but also, Father, to hear the warning of your scripture. Uh, to be spiritually healthy is not just to be honest about our emotions, but it's to bring them to you and to seek out your your spirit and your guidance in our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would teach us that today. Father, forgive my sin. I pray that it would not be a hindrance to your teaching this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. And let me invite you to pray out loud with me now the Lord's Prayer, wherever you are. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, before I give you the, the sermon in a sentence this morning, which is, which is simply 
the, the question, how are you feeling? Let me ask you, and I'm going to pause for about 60 seconds, which kind of feels weird, but I'm going to pause for 60 seconds. And if you're by yourself, you can maybe go through your Bible and underline. If you're with a family or with another person, you can talk about it together. But as you look at Psalm 30, uh, what emotions do you see? Uh, revealed in that in that passage. So just take a minute and uh, and call them out to one another. If you're by yourself, maybe underline them, and and then I'll share some with you, and we'll we'll jump in. So you got about a minute. Go. So some of the emotions I see there, uh, admiration, thankfulness, uh, there's sorrow, certainly there. Uh, there's pride, and that one may not have been real obvious, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tackle that in a few minutes. Uh, dismay, uh, there's mourning, there's, there's anguish, um, said sorrow, sadness, but there's also gladness and joy. So the reason I pick Psalm 30 is because of this wide range of emotions. There isn't just one emotion. Next week, we're going to be considering the emotion of sorrow and, and repentance of sin uh, in Psalm 51, and that's really about sorrow. And we're going we're gonna to rest on that one emotion. And each Sunday, we're going we're gonna to have one emotion where we settle in. But I, I picked this to start with to show this wide range, because my first of three observations is this morning is that our emotions are God-given. If you go back to the first chapter in Genesis, uh, based on asking the question, how are we feeling? We notice, we learn that God created us to be like him. If we go to that next uh, screen with Genesis. Thank you. Uh, emotions are God-given. God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then later on in verse 31, and God saw everything that he made and behold, and here's an emotional response. It was very good. It was not just good. It was very good. God had a very good feeling about his creation, the pinnacle of which is the creation of humanity. So emotions are, are given to us from God. Do you ever wonder why uh, at times you need to have a good, healthy cry? Have you ever thought at times why, why a, a belly laugh is absolutely so important? Why, why at a moment of profound thankfulness or unmitigated joy, you just can't help but, but giggle and laugh and smile? thought about the relief from stress that perhaps tears bring. This is all part of being created in the image of God. And if you notice how, how in Galatians chapter 5, God demonstrates his presence with us in the terms of the fruits of the Spirit. So Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's saying, how can, how can you recognize when God is present in your life? And, and he mentions the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, again, if we could go to that, that next slide. If not, I'll turn over to Galatians. There we go. Um, well, I guess I forgot to put it in there. So 
I've been out for a few weeks. I'm a little bit rusty. Let me read for you uh, and remind you the fruits of the Spirit. When the, when the Holy Spirit is present, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. When you, when you hear those words, most of those words... Uh, if not all of them, are, are connected to our emotions, uh, to our feelings. And so to ask the question, how are we feeling, is actually an important question because it gives us some understanding of how we are relating to God. And so it's actually hurtful to ignore our feelings. It's harmful to suppress our feelings. Uh, Dan Allender and Temp- Tremper Longman wrote a book called The Cry of the Soul, and they speak directly to this notion of, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to my emotions. I'm just going to push them down. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. We often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous control of our inner world. Let me encourage you all, encourage myself this morning to remember that the emotions that we have are God-given. My second observation, uh, and it's probably up for a little bit of discussion the way I worded it, and I'm, I'm okay if you decide you're going to push back on that a little bit, but I'm going to suggest that emotions are morally neutral, that in and of themselves, emotions are not right uh, or wrong. Uh, there are certain things that maybe you heard growing up, you know, don't ever be afraid, you know, be, be strong, fear, you don't need to be fearful, don't don't cry. You know, and there's my, my little buddy. I bring this guy into a sermon every once in a while. Uh, he's, he's out there in social media. Come here. I'll give you something to cry about. Maybe you've, you've heard that uh, growing up as, as a child. Uh, somebody said, you know, I'll really give you something to cry about. And even uh, on the positive side of the things, you know, uh, I, I've heard from time to time folks say, you know, don't celebrate too much. That, that shows that you're not a humble person. And so uh, we maybe have been taught that in a particular emotion is always bad or a particular emotion is always good. And I, and I certainly don't think that's the case. Uh, the real question is, how do we uh, approach our emotions? How, how do we uh, apply a good understanding uh, of our emotions? Which means, and I, and I used this word a little bit earlier in my prayer, that we need to become, if we're not already self-curious, we need to be able to ask ourselves questions like, how am I feeling right now? Or what am I feeling right now? Is that the right feeling? I, maybe I'm afraid right now, and that might not be uh, the appropriate emotion to have. And so the only way to get to that is, is to look within myself and to ask myself some honest questions and give myself some honest answers. So what I want to do is I'm going to take two words. I'm going to take uh, the word joy, and I'm going to take the word fear. Uh, and I'm going to show uh, a way in which it could be very positive, a way in which it could potentially be negative. So let's take joy for a moment. You know, if you have 
uh, good friends that that have a new baby. The Copelands on our staff have a new baby, and we've been uh, celebrating with them from a distance, of course. But we've we've done all we can to uh, to try to enjoy that with them and to express our joy along with them. I think that's. That's the right thing to do. Uh, celebrating a family member's accomplishments. I have been uh, really impressed by uh, the variety of different ways, uh, not just people at Green Tree, people in our community, and quite frankly, people around the world, as you kind of can see, you know, videos from everywhere of how they've celebrated because their official celebrations were canceled. So whether it was a graduation, uh, whether it was a wedding, I had a niece that got married on Friday. I was actually supposed to... Uh, have been in Colorado this weekend at her wedding, and yet they have found a way to celebrate given the constraints of the moment. And I think that's a great way to bring joy into our lives. And I'm going to certainly come back to the Stanley Cup of last year. Uh, about this time, we were entering, uh, getting ready to enter into, the, we're finishing the second round, getting ready to enter into the third round, which eventually led to a Stanley Cup. When we won the Stanley Cup, I was in my living room and I and I watched that last game, game seven, by myself because I just wanted to focus. And when we won, I just literally collapsed on the couch and I sat there for about 30 seconds and I just soaked it in. And then I got up and I danced around the living room and I looked like a complete fool. Uh, and my wife was seriously concerned about me at that particular moment. But joy was the right response. We've been waiting. A lot of us have been waiting over 50 years for that particular moment. It, it was right and good to be joyful. But there are other moments when joy is completely inappropriate. Maybe there's a, a person I don't like and they're experiencing pain. Am, am I going to be a, a petty person who takes joy in someone else's difficulty just because we have a, a disagreement? Joy would be completely inappropriate. Do I see someone who I consider an enemy? I see them struggle. Does that Make me happy. Do I do I have that thought in the back of my mind? I might not ever say it out loud. You know, now they got what's coming to them, and I take some satisfaction. I take some joy in that. That's a sinful response. That goes against the core of the gospel, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute you, to consider others as more important than ourselves. So joy is neither right or wrong, good or bad. It is depending upon the context. Let's take fear for just a second. There are times uh, when fear is appropriate. I'm, I'm looking out the window at church right now, and there's a good, hard, steady rain coming down, but none of the trees are moving back and forth. There's no wind. But we all know who live in the Midwest what we should do when the skies turn really dark and the temperature drops pretty quickly and the wind begins to pick up or it gets eerily still and the sky turns to a greenish tint and the siren somewhere in the background is going off. It's time to get in the basement. Why? Because there's probably a tornado around the corner or somewhere in the area. And if you're not afraid of a tornado, you're nuts. It makes no sense not to be afraid of a tornado. There are moments when, when God giving us the gift of fear could actually save our lives. But there are other moments where fear is inappropriate. It's not helpful. I might look at my circumstances and say, I really want to control those circumstances. So I'm, I'm going to do so by, by trying to uh, bully my way through. I'm going to try to force people uh, to my way of thinking. And I'm doing that because I feel a lack of control and that makes me scared. Instead of taking that to God, I'm deciding I'm going to solve that for myself. That's a sinful response. There are times when Cindy will offer me some kind of suggestion. 
uh, correction. And she's doing it out of love. She's doing it uh, because she cares about me. She wants the best for me. And I have to, I have to check my reaction in those moments because I can be tempted to take that the wrong way because of some fear that's lurking in my life. Joy, fear, and every other emotion. They're God-given. And when used uh, in the context and experienced in the context of His love and His grace are life-giving. The opposite is also true. When we warp them, when we misshape them, when, when sin controls them, they can be very damaging. I'm going to read just very briefly, and then we're going to jump into this psalm for a couple of minutes. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I did not put this on the slides. This, this mistake I know I made, so Javi, it's not in there. But listen to 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 10, and Paul is talking about an experience he's had with people that he loves dearly. There's a church that he founded, that he started, uh, and lived in this community for, for a good amount of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffer no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. How we apply the emotions that God has given us uh, will determine uh, whether we are using them in a way that, that nourishes our souls uh, and gives glory to God or is harmful to ourselves and potentially harmful to others. Well, let's take a minute, and we're not going to take a lot of time, uh, but, but about 10 minutes or so here, and let's stroll through the myriad of David's emotions in Psalm 30. So now we're going to actually look at the text. Uh, look at the first four verses. David says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up, my soul out of Sheol. You have restored me to life among those who uh, restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, O you of saints, and give thanks to his holy name. What, what's the emotion that's going on there? And there's probably several, uh, but certainly joy. Uh, there, there's relief. He's, he's gone through some journey. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a moment. Uh, but looking back, he has an appreciation for where he is now. And he is in a celebratory mood. He is in a joy-filled mood. Uh, I remember when we, uh, about five and a half years ago now, when we moved into uh, our new home, uh, into the building in which I am standing uh, this morning by myself, and hopefully sometime uh, in the not-too-distant future, there'll, there'll be some opportunities for us to, to gather. But I remember uh, that Sunday when we moved in, and I remember folks who had been at Green Tree for, for quite a while, uh, and the joy that we felt, and the hugs and the embraces. We weren't social distancing at those times uh, that we shared with one another. I have a picture uh, that is uh, on my laptop of, of my friend Scott Holly and I hugging each other right back over there. It was like, we just couldn't believe it. It was just so amazing, and it was right, and it was good. 
to experience some joy and a little bit of relief that it actually had worked uh, and appreciation for God's generosity and God's generosity through his people to, to fund the building. I mean, there were so many reasons uh, to give thanks. And so we see David here and we can, we can relate to that. There are moments when, when God's pleasure, when God's goodness, when his grace is overflowing, whether it's through human relationships or, or the experience of moving into, into a new building, whatever the case may be, where we find ourselves standing face to face with David uh, with great joy. But then we move into verses five through seven, and there's a different emotion here. David says, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. Some translations say, then you hid your face. I was dismayed. David is speaking of a confrontation between he and God. God was angry over the sin in David's life. God was going to and did correct David. David went through a painful experience spiritually because God was working in his life to correct something that he had gotten terribly wrong. We'll look at that really specifically next week when we look at Psalm 51. But David realized what was going on, and he, and, and he feels this distance because of the pride, and we'll come to that in just a minute. But um, uh, Pete Scazzaro is, a, is an author that a lot of you, uh, with whom a lot of you are familiar, uh, and, and he's written some really wonderful things about uh, spiritual, uh, emotional health. And he talks about how God works in our lives sometimes in a way that, that, that is painful. And he says this, God sometimes wounds us in our journey with him in order to move us out of an unhealthy spirituality to one that truly transforms us from the inside out. That's what David experienced. David experienced a painful journey, but it was a journey that was intended to heal. It's like the physician who has to set the broken leg. It's like the doctor that has to go in and make some cuts in order to fix, in order to repair. And God loves us desperately. God's anger with David's sin of pride. So David's sin of pride is found uh, in verse 6. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Who, who's David proud about? <laughs> who's David looking at? David's looking at the mirror and he's going, you're a great guy. David, you are you are so special, <laughs> you know, and, and, he, and he's, he's ignoring God. And that led him to live in a certain way that was destructive for himself and destructive for the people around that. You, you can read uh, about David's life, mostly in 2 Samuel, uh, and you can see uh, some of those things unfold. And because God loves us, he's going to offer correction. And so David uh, gets to this place where he feels this distance. He realizes that he is, he is separated from God, that their relationship is not in a right place, and he says he was dismayed. There's a, a picture of, uh, I think it was in 2016, when the Italian national team uh, lost the game and found out they weren't going to make the World Cup for the first time in like 60 years or something like that. And you can see the players in blue uh, and the anguish that they are experiencing. That's how David felt. He felt completely dismayed. And when we feel that kind of emotion, 
it can lead us to a place of despair. And this is part of what I really love about Psalm 30 is David's honesty. So David looks at this situation. He maybe hasn't yet come to, to terms completely with, with his part of it, but, but he knows there's something off. He's dismayed. And, and look in verses 8 and 10 where that leads him. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. And then he asks questions. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. David is, is lost in, in the sea of despair. This is, this is the process that David is going through. I don't think this was for a moment. I think this was for some period of time when David realized how, how desperately he had lost his way. And so he, he says, I'm crying out. And then he, what good is it if I die? Well, it does praise you. He feels like his world is collapsing and he might literally die. And then he goes to the only one he, who, who he knows can help him. And he says, here, O Lord, be merciful to me, Lord, be my helper. David gets to the right place. There are moments when despair in our own ability to save is the right reaction. It is the right feeling. But let me tell you something. I, I would say you don't come to that place very easily. I would suggest that because of the the busyness of our world, although it's slowed down a little bit recently, um, we tend to not go to that place of despair when we ought. We don't take the time that it needs to delve deeply into our own heart, into our own emotions, to understand uh, that we should be in a despairing place. Despairing not of God and His grace and His love and His mercy, that that never fails, but despairing of our own strengths, our own abilities. And we need time. I, I am quite confident that David had a lot of time of reflection, probably a lot of time of silence to get to this place where he realized the depth of where he found himself. I read a quote this week by Mother Teresa and just talking about the help that silence is for uh, our souls uh, and, and the opportunity for reflection that can be so beneficial for us. She says, we almost take time to be silent and to contemplate. I always begin my prayer in silence, for it is in the silence of the heart that God speaks. God is the friend of silence. We need to listen to God because it's not what we say, but what he says to us that matters. As blood is to the body, prayer is to the soul. It brings you closer to God. David is in uh, what others have called the dark night of the soul, but I think it was a process to get to that spot. But when you're in despair, that is the opportunity to remember God's salvation. In our context, where David is writing the Old Testament before Jesus came, in our context, it's a chance for us to go back to the cross. It's a chance for us to reflect on God's grace and on his compassion. It reminds us that God isn't harming us out of spite, out of disappointment, out of, you know, you know, let me give you something to cry about. He, he's bringing any pain into our life that is necessary in order to draw us back to our senses and draw us back to himself. It's a loving discipline, 100% of the time, not most of the time, all of the time. 
that God uses discomfort in our lives. He uses it to bring us to the place where we cry out to Him. And we, when we cry out to Him, maybe not at that exact second, it may also be a process, but His response is always one of faithfulness. It's always one of love. It's always one of new life. And that's where David ends up in verses 11 and 12. He goes from crying out, Lord, be my helper, to this. You have turned for me my mourning, my grieving into what? Feeling a little bit better? Not quite as painful? No. Turned it into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. You have clothed me with gladness. Not just like a contentment, but with with absolute gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, I will give you thanks forever. These emotions that David speaks of, uh, these turning of emotions, are a reminder that our emotions are safe with God. It's a reminder that God always loves us, that he always cares for us. And David's words in this passage are a hint of the gospel to come through our Lord Jesus and through his death and his resurrection and his offer of salvation to you and me this morning. So for a couple quick minutes, how can we apply? Well, the sermon says, how are you feeling? So let me, let me kind of bring us back to that and offer a couple of suggestions, which I think you, uh, you see on your screen uh, this morning. The first is I want to give you Uh, I want you to give yourself permission. I'm not giving you permission. I want you to give yourself permission to be self-curious, to not suppress your feelings, to not just ignore them, to not, you know, when somebody says, how are you doing and you're doing bad, to to not just live in that, I'm okay, I'm fine. But to look into your heart and say, Lord, show me what's really there. I think that's really important. Secondly, I would encourage you to pick one, two, three, not a whole bunch, maybe just one, but maybe a couple. Uh, of emotions that are emotions that are uh, common to you. And to do a word study of that in the Bible. So you can go to someplace like Bible Gateway is a, is a, a, a site you can go to, and there's a word search. And you can type in the word joy. You can type in the word fear. You can type in the word shame. You can type in the word anger. And it'll show you how many times it comes up in the Bible. Uh, now, if you, if you type in anger or shame or fear or joy, there are going to be a bunch of them. Uh, but take some time to study those words and to see what Scripture says about those emotions. Then I would encourage you to also, as you're giving yourself the opportunity to be self-curious, create some space for silence. Create some space to listen. I'm actually going through a book right now called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. There are way too many whys in in that title. Uh, But I mentioned Pete Scazzaro earlier. I'm going through that book. Right now, and it has a morning uh, time to just be quiet for about 10 minutes. It's not real long, about an afternoon or evening time to be quiet for about 10 minutes. But it creates space, and it allows me just to listen to God's voice. So we're going to embark on this journey for the next several weeks in a time of heightened emotions. How you feel? Let's pray. Lord Jesus... Help us to be honest with our emotions. They're not everything about us, but they are a big part of us. And they are given to us by you. 
So Lord, I pray that you would help us to pay attention to our emotions because there are times when our emotions are good and strong and right in the moment. There are times when they are destructive. So Father, we pray uh, that you would allow us to look at our emotions in light of your word, your gospel, your correction, your love. Lord, help us not just say, well, that's just how I am. Uh, that's suppressing our emotions. That's excusing them. Uh, and Lord, help us not just to, to, to live in our, with our emotions on our sleeve in a way that is uh, exhausting and, uh, and hurtful to the people around us. Father, give us a pathway forward through your word that would help us to be spiritually healthy emotionally. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, did for the whole Tell me when. <laughs> I'm sorry. Javi and I have been talking off. You, you haven't heard us, but apparently you've been watching me and not hearing me at all. So before we go into our post-service time, receive the Lord's benediction, which I gladly offer to you again in his name, but so you can hear. May the grace and the mercy and the peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest and abide in each one of our hearts and minds. Amen. The Lord bless you. Go in peace or stick around for a little bit of uh, conversation. Uh, while you guys are sending in uh, any comments or thoughts or questions you have, I'm going to do a couple of uh, announcements for us. We've gotten a lot of questions about moving back into the building, and I've, I'm, I've moved. It's nice. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, we have a team that's working on that. We don't have uh, any uh, specific plan right now. We're doing a lot of research. We are we're uh, trying to follow, we are following the, the county's guidelines, and they've given us kind of a, a pretty significant uh, list of what moving back into different places, including churches, looks like. So we're studying that. We're studying what some other ministry organizations, what some other churches are putting out as reference material. Uh, and we're trying to figure out uh, one size doesn't fit all. What's best for Green Tree? And so I would imagine that sometime in the, the next week or so, we'll begin a, a plan will begin to formulate and get organized. I can't promise you that we'll have it ready to share with you uh, within a week. I, I, I'm not going to make that promise because, as we know, everything can change pretty quickly. But I did want you to know we're working on it. We all really would like in some way or another to be back together again. We, we Physically, we, we long for that opportunity. So we're not dragging our feet. Uh, we're actually trying to do our homework really well so that once we start down the pathway, uh, we have a good pathway and a clear pathway. To that end, uh, I would also mention that we're going to uh, do 2028 a little bit differently this year. Uh, we, will, we will have projects and that sort of thing, but the way in which we do it, again, is going to take uh, very much into account the appropriate spiritual, uh, spiritual distancing, social distancing, not spiritual distancing, uh, and, and create ways uh, to make that happen. And uh, that was just approved uh, about a week ago, I believe. Uh, and so uh, that will begin to get rolled out in the next few weeks. Uh, in 2028, we'll look different this year, but we did want everybody to know uh, that it's in the works and it's coming and you'll hear uh, more about how you can participate in that. Uh, hopefully pretty soon. So, uh, Javi, do we have some thoughts or questions or comments? Thanks, Peggy. I appreciate that.
Hope you've walked by and seen my new concrete driveway. We got a new concrete driveway. It's like, I'm, I'm getting pretty old because I'm really excited about that. That's what I'm excited about these days. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. A little rusty, but hopefully it, was, it went okay. That's a really good question. Uh, thanks, Jane, for, for asking that question. Uh, God's anger uh, is, as I understand scripture, uh, directed at our sin, uh, at our rebellion against him. And so is it is it against us personally? Uh, I would say it depends how you define that. If it's the notion of uh, I'm going to get you and uh, I'm going to I'm going to let my uh, emotion turn into a hatred uh, against you in in a what we would consider uh, uh, a harmful way, no, because God doesn't sin. God is completely pure. He's completely holy, and He hates sin. Uh, he cannot abide sin. When we read of the crucifixion and God, uh, Jesus going into that time of darkness and crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, we metaphorically say God turned his back on his son. Now, God is an eternal spirit. He does not have a physical back. But the picture there is that God looks away because he will not look at sin. And Christ became sin for us. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So so Jesus was completely separated from his father because of God's pure, perfect, holy, and you put a lot of words to it, anger, indignation, hatred of that sin because he knows that it destroys us. So that's, that, that's the appropriate understanding of God's anger. Why would God be angry that way? Because he loves us and he wants us to be redeemed and he wants us to be restored to life. Uh, this is a really poor example, but from a human perspective, I think it's, it's accurate to only to a certain point. Uh, when the kids were little, uh, they might step off the curb on a busy street and I might grab them and say, don't you ever do that again? And they, they would look at me and say, why are you so angry with me? And I'm like, I, I, when I, when I'm able to think about my emotions, I actually am not angry. I was scared to death. <laughs> so what was behind it was my deep, love for my children. Now, I expressed it in a, in a way that wasn't helpful. God always expresses his anger in a way that brings us, is intended to bring us back to himself. So I hope hope that's, uh, that's helpful. And when we talk a little bit about David's confession next week in Psalm 51, we, we may get to, to touch on that a little bit more. What else you got for me, Javi? Anything else? Yes. Yes, the question, the, yeah, the question was, uh, in Psalm 35, God speaks of his anger. Is God's anger directed toward us? Uh, that's what I was trying to answer.
Yes. Uh, uh, who said that? Gina Roth. Anger is also used to expose injustice. Uh, that's a great statement. Um, Jesus turning over the, the money changers in the temple uh, was clearly uh, an expression of anger. Part of it was against greed, but also part of it was against injustice because people who were coming to the temple were forced to pay a higher cost for the sacrificial animal that they were buying in the temple. And they were, they were getting ripped off in the exchange rate if they were coming from out of the country, and they were getting ripped off in the price they had to pay. But the, but the priesthood wouldn't accept any other, any other animals other than the ones they were selling. That's injustice. Uh, that is completely unfair. And Jesus' anger uh, at that moment was, was a perfect expression of God's anger. So, uh, Gina, thanks for pointing that out. That's outstanding. Uh, uh, Joan Kruger asked, I've always thought uh, from a biblical perspective, it's not uh, right to be angry with God. Is this correct? So, uh, Jane, uh, Joan, I think we have to look, and everybody, I think we have to look at this from uh, a couple of different angles. I would say that when I get angry with God, I am sinning. I am in the wrong. That being said, all my sins are forgiven at the cross of Christ. And one day I will understand why I didn't need to be angry in that moment. So what I, what I want to make sure we understand, and this is not a license to go out and, and sin, but to understand that God understands our anger. He, he understands our limitations. He understands what sin has done to break our perfect relationship with him that he created and that for some amount of time Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden. But all that's warped now. All, all of that is broken beyond human ability to repair, which is why God had to fix it himself. So I, uh, I would say unequivocally, if I'm angry with God, and I'll speak for Tom Ricks, it's because I'm looking at a circumstance and I'm, and I'm judging God. I'm saying, God, that's wrong. You've treated me or you've treated that person or that family or that group, whatever. Unfairly, you're wrong. I'm mad at you. God's never wrong. And so, therefore, the, the genesis of that, the, the root of that is, is a sin of unbelief. Uh, I, I'm not believing uh, that God works things for good for his children in that moment. But does God understand my brokenness? Yes. Is God patient with his children? Yes. Does God forgive his children? Yes. I think the, the more harmful thing to do is not to express how I'm feeling with God, to just hold that in. God knows that I'm angry with him. Why not say it? It's actually going to be good for me eventually to get that out and, and to work through it, to maybe even share it with some, some close friends and say, right now I'm really angry with God because of what the doctor told me or because of this business situation or this broken relationship, and I, and I feel like God's let me down or God's hurt me. I think it, it actually is healthy to express how we're feeling because in that expression, we can begin to work through that, that process. So I don't think it's just enough to say 
Yes, it's a sin and stop there. I think we have to look at it in the totality of Scripture. And hopefully that's a bit of an introduction that might might help with that just a little bit. Javi, yep. Who was asking? Christine Butler wants to know how my kids are doing. Christine, thanks for asking. We, <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, we have three children. Uh, the oldest, Nathan, lives in uh, Southern California with his four children. And then our daughter, Katie, lives with her husband, uh, Richard and Nate's wife, Liz. They're in California with their four kids. Uh, Katie and Richard are in uh, on Oahu in Hawaii with their two and a half. Katie's going to have number three in September. And then there's Jordan, our youngest, who's single. And so we're, we're Zooming. I don't know if it was la last Sunday. It was probably last Sunday, Mother's Day, maybe the Sunday before. Uh, but we have all these pictures on the screen, and Cindy and I are sitting there Sunday afternoon, and, you know, we've, I don't know what I had on, but we were, we were showered and dressed and cleaned up, and uh, Jordan's sitting on his couch in his uh, living room over in Kansas City, and he's got his hair, you know, he's nice, got on a collared shirt, has a little something to drink, and we're chatting, and then the other two come on. <laughs> And they look like they've been run over by a bus. Nate is totally disheveled. He looks like he hasn't, you know, shaved for several days. Katie's, you know, trying to get her kids to say hello, you know, trying to get a two-year-old to understand what he's seen. And they're just a mess. Uh, now, big picture, they're doing fine. And I, please forgive me as an empty nester for, for laughing at the struggles uh, of, of my kids at, that can be very serious. And I don't want to, I don't want to just say, you know, laugh at them like, Oh, you know, too bad for them. Um, it, in the moment, it was the difference between Jordan single and the other two was, was, uh, was, was pretty pronounced, but they're all doing quite well. Uh, we talked to them on a regular basis. Uh, the, the beaches in Hawaii opened up yesterday and Katie was very happy about that. We got a, we got a video and some pictures from the beach uh, Nathan lives in a neighborhood where there are a lot of young families, a lot of kids, and they've started, they're in Orange County, they're not Los Angeles County, so they kind of come out of the house and do some stuff out in the street and in the driveways, uh, and Jordan's been been pretty locked down like everybody else in Kansas City, but there's some golf courses open and he's getting out. He's actually coming to town and will be here for work for the next couple of days. We haven't seen him since Christmas, we haven't seen any of him since uh, Christmas, so we're looking forward to that, but they're, they're you know, all things considered, they're they're doing well. Yep. I'm sorry. I didn't hear who asked, but somebody uh, asked, how is Cindy doing? Uh, how else could she be doing but extraordinarily well spending day in and day out with me? I mean, I'm not even sure why that question would be asked. Okay, now in all seriousness, uh, we're actually doing, uh, she's actually doing real well. Uh, we We had about a quarter of one day a couple of weeks ago and we got a little sideways with each other uh, but she is uh, she's still doing her school work that's frustrating for if you want to pray for something for Cindy you know she works with at-risk students she she works mostly with with kids who are struggling with grades and this has only made it exponentially worse and more difficult um, and that breaks her heart it, it frustrates her uh, to to see you know a, a gap that's there widening simply because of the circumstances. I mean, they're really, nobody's to blame for this. Uh, it's just what has to be the way life has to go right now. Uh, 
But in that context, uh, I think she's doing well. She's taking lots of walks. You probably see her around Kirkwood, uh, usually late in the afternoon, uh, doing doing her walks. I should probably be walking with her. Um, but she's she's doing pretty well. Thank you so much for asking. I'm sorry, this Javi's voice is a little fuzzy on the speaker in here, so I wasn't quite sure who asked that question. You said maybe one more. <laughs> who asked that? I still didn't. I still didn't catch the name. Somebody asked, "What is my favorite Hallmark Christmas movie?" They haven't made it yet. When, when they make it and I see it, which them making it is a definite. Me seeing that's a whole nother question. Uh, but I'll, I'll keep you posted on that one. I'm kinda, I've kind of run out of stuff to watch, but I'm doing a lot of reading right now. I have about, I don't know, I probably have at least five uh, books I'm reading right now. I just uh, got Hampton Sides' book, um, the one about the, um, uh, the Comanches in the West. I can't remember what the name of that one is. Uh, but I just bought that one. I just read my first horror novel, thanks to Josh Lang and Josh Hogan, and it's called Between Two Fires, and uh, it was fascinating. It is not for children. It's not like like explicit, um, inappropriate. It's a horror novel, and I've never read a horror novel, so there are parts that are kind of scary. Uh, but that was a fascinating uh, book, looking at good and evil. Uh, so it's not written by a believer. It's not written by someone who's trying to, to uh, provide a Christian narrative, but boy, it was a, it was a very interesting book. I'm also reading for you hockey guys out there. I'm about done with Scotty, uh, which is Ken Dryden's book on uh, Scotty Bowman. And that is, that's really good. I'm, I'm reading a lot of stuff by uh, Pete Scazzera right now on spiritually emotional health. Uh, his stuff's really uh, really good. I'm revisiting a little bit of Dan Allender stuff, so that's probably why you saw some of those uh, quotes uh, this morning. Probably see one or two others before uh, this series is over. Are we good, boss? Or are we, are we able to wrap up? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Javi's telling me that there's uh, some emails going back and forth or some texts or whatever about God's anger. And so I'll take a look at those uh, later on. I probably won't, won't get anything out today, uh, but I'll take a look at that and uh, try to, try to, to, to craft uh, some helpful thoughts along those lines. And uh, it's sometime here in the next uh, handful of days, we'll uh, get that maybe as a, as a conversation starter. That might Maybe we uh, maybe we do a Zoom at some point and have have a conversation on that topic. That would be uh, really interesting and and really helpful. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, goodbye to folks. Thank you from wherever you are, whether you're here in St. Louis, uh, part of the Green Tree family, or way down the road around the corner. I saw one of the notes this morning. Somebody was welcoming one of their friends to Green Tree. It looked like maybe for the first time. So if this is your first visit. I hope we didn't scare you off. Hope you'll uh, you'll come back and join us again. Uh, I look forward, Lord willing, to being with everybody again next Sunday. So take care and bye-bye.